On the other side of Texas, history has its place. On the other side of Texas, justice rules the case. They don't like it, they don't love it. They say we're all wrong, but on the other side of Texas halls, we roll along. And we do roll along. Thanks for tuning in, and as always, telling your friends. That's what we rely on here. Just friend to friend and word of mouth on other side of Texas, wherever you're listening from. We appreciate you tuning in as we broadcast live on AM 580 Lubbock, the most listened to platform in the region, perhaps the state, whenever you count for all you guys who tune into our podcast. Appreciate you doing that. I'm your host, Jay West Texas Leeson, rolling along here from the Racer Car Wash Studios. Racer Car Wash voted Lubbock's best wash for five years running. Stop into one of five convenient locations for the best wash around. Voted the best wash around five years in the Hub City. Guaranteed RacerWash.com. A lot coming up in this program. It's going to be a conversation Thursday. John Gibson, who is the chairman of the Lubbock County Democratic Party, going to be joining us. What's the way forward? Uh, a lot of folks I know are interested in listening to that in uh, John Gibson in studio. Get him just a moment. But here's where we want to, where we want to kick off today. The atheists in the city of Lubbock going to give the invocation on Thursday night at the Lubbock City Council meeting. Uh, this from KCBD Lubbock. I read some stories. I like KCBD's slant the best because it sets me up to uh, hit some T-ball home runs here on the program. Dateline Lubbock. The Lubbock City Council agenda garners some attention at times, but this week it's not for what's on the agenda. It's who will be speaking during the usual time of prayer known as the invocation. It was announced last fall that a local atheist group would be given uh, would be giving the invocation sometime in January of this year and now is set in stone that members of the Atheist Community of Lubbock, that's an official group, I've not looked them up on Facebook, but it's the Atheist Community of Lubbock, will be speaking before the city council members this Thursday. It will be led by their communications and public relations director, Tracy Benefield. Now, let me go out on a out on a branch here and say I bet she doesn't get paid very much. Uh, as I say about liberals in the city of Lubbock, the chairman in studio may disagree with me. More aborigines in Lubbock than there are real liberals, and I would think even less atheists in Lubbock. But uh, Tracy Benefield to uh, do the invocation. Quote, we know there's a lot of people in our group who have lost everything when they come out as atheists, so we want to destigmatize what it means to be atheists, said Benefield. Benefield said she will use the time to invoke ideas. Invoke, invocation, invoke ideas. Quote, we are most mostly going to be talking about how we need to come together as a city. We are the friendliest city in America. Hey, 
that's what's on the billboards. Can't disagree with Benefield there. Uh, we need to think about every minority in Lubbock in thinking about how we can work together. So, so every minority is being carried under the banner of the atheists getting the, I don't know what, how minorities, uh, I'm sure if I reached out to a few of them, they would have a problem with being represented by the atheists. But uh, that's what Benefield says. Uh, we need to be thinking about every minority in Lubbock and thinking about how we can work together. The option of having an atheist give the invocation was announced back in the fall. This has had mixed reaction. Now, listen, it was announced back in the fall that the option would be open. I think, and call me whatever you may, uh, but I think the con uh, the Constitution of these United States gives that option. I think that that was announced, like, uh, way back in um, the 18th century, that that option would be open. Uh, quote, it doesn't really stick within the definition of an invocation because it is calling to someone else. If you don't believe there is someone else, then you're speaking into the air, said Jeff McRike, pastor of Rock City Church. Jeff McRike, following local politics as I do, fancies himself on being a political authority on all things God-centered. Um, and McRike, saying that they're just going to speak into midair. But I don't know how wrong he is there. And I want to read the rest of this and we'll break it down. Benefield explained that an invocation doesn't always mean prayer. Quote, most people are familiar with a prayer being an invocation, but an invocation doesn't mean prayer. Those words aren't synonymous. An invocation simply means to ask someone or something for help. Hmm. Mayor Dan Pope admits it was even a little confusing for him quote first question was i really don't understand who atheists pray to but the more i looked into it my intuition is that constitution protected their rights in the end he hopes the community finds a way to accept it quote i think part of west texas of uh, part of the west texas value system is that we are not judgmental we take care of our neighbor and we love our neighbor whatever they may believe the atheist community of lubbock will give the invocation coming up on thursday 48 hours from where we broadcast live here uh, thursday at 5:15 p.m a couple of things to riff on here as i look through all this i don't think that benefield is wrong i think that she is right in that an invocation means to ask someone or something for help um, that's intrinsically what an invocation is to beseech or invoke someone or something for assistance or authority but an atheist which means a non-theist someone who doesn't believe in something higher then they must be praying for ideals or principles or whatever the case might be um, I know a lot of people who treat treat the Constitution as though it were God. They're praying to a thing or something, not someone. Um, and, you know, listen, I'm a pretty devout guy. I've got my shingle on the wall. I'm, um, 
uh, I've done my theology degree, and it's Wesleyan, by the way, um, Methodist Wesleyan, but more Wesleyan than Methodist, so I don't want to get into the weeds there, but I sat through a lot of public prayers, and i got to tell you, I mean, just being honest with you, raving on with you, I hear a lot of public prayers, and lots of times I'm holding my hand, my head in my hands, and wringing my thumbs, because once you get into public prayers, you get into the weeds of theology, and as as a Wesleyan, as somebody who's a Trinitarian, if we're going to do prayers in this country, you know, I don't believe that the country was founded as a Christian nation. I think it was founded by people who adhered to Christian principles. But you get into public prayers, and I think that there's a reason why we stopped doing it. Because I've heard a lot of good Baptist kids give a prayer before the football game. But you know what I also heard in those Baptist kids' prayers is a lot of adoptionism, subordinationism, monarchism. And if you don't know what any of those isms are, just go Google them. Uh, For me, the belief is that you've got three persons of one substance, and that's Trinitarianism. That's the Nicene Creed. Those are the classical creeds. Uh, But you can hear a lot of prayers and hear that Jesus, the Son of God, is something other than the Father of God, and that creates a problem. And so I was talking to a buddy earlier who said, is there a law that says you can't have more than two invocations? Like, maybe we can back up the atheists here and have our own invocation. I don't think that there is a law against that, but how many people do you want giving invocations at a public meeting where all you want to get done is just the agenda? That, to me, is the issue is... Well, okay, so you're going to have the atheists pray, then the Mormons pray, then the Jehovah's Witness pray, and then a Catholic pray, and then a Baptist pray, just to make sure that you get it all covered over. Um, I don't blame the love, and I don't understand the voter cycles, and this is something that Ross Ramsey, our friend from the, the Texas Tribune, talks about. I don't understand why there's not a bigger uproar about this, but at the same time, I'm glad there's not an uproar about this because nobody wants to go to a city council meeting and listen through 30 minutes of invocations. I don't, for the atheists, this is what I will say. This is the old Far Side cartoon. Two fleas standing somewhere, one standing up against the follicle, a hair follicle that looks like a big palm tree uh, trunk coming out of the body of something. And one flea looks at the other flea and says, so do you really believe there's a, a dog? And that's what I think. I think it takes a lot of faith to be an atheist. And uh, whatever they might say, whatever they might invoke, I'm sure that they're going to invoke principles. And for us to have the the better graces of one another, I'm sure that's the route that they're going to go. But uh, New Day in Lubbock County, uh, in the city of Lubbock, that athe- atheists get the invocation to invoke something or someone for assistance or thor- authority uh, look forward to hearing what they have to say there at the Lubbock City Council. Somebody else who I'm looking forward to what they have to say is John Gibson. He is the Lubbock County Democratic Party chairman. 
we're going to have a good conversation coming up. Those of you who are younger, like I am, wondering what's happened in 2018, is there even the possibility of a viable two-party system in Lubbock and the surrounding area? John Gibson, somebody good to talk to about that. We'll be in with John Gibson about 90 seconds from now. Stick with us right here on the other side of Texas. We'll get in with John. Cross that old red river. This is what I saw. I saw miles and miles of Texas. All the stars up in the sky. I saw miles and miles of Texas. Gonna live here till I die. In studio with us, we have John Gibson, and he is the Lubbock County Democratic Chairman. Appreciate him making time to come out with us here. Uh, John Gibson, uh, your your debut here on the show. Tell us how you are. I'm doing good. I was on the road yesterday, and I missed your show. Um, has Daniel the Millennial gotten you the new digital studio, or is this? He's he's working on it. He's working on it. Okay. He is uh, in process right now. Some things to do in and out. Appreciate you checking on the progress of the show. Uh, Daniel is in process, and uh, if he's listening. Uh, let that be motivation to you, Daniel, that listeners are wondering what your progress is. Um, you got the iPad over there. Yeah, it's, it's I, I need some notes. The second generation? I have no or idea. Or third? I have no idea. I think it's the second. Yeah. I'm terrible with names, and so it helps if I've got notes of people. Yeah, you got the 12 inch. That's what I run the program off of. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got my own. Uh-huh. But I got it in a. A, a defender there by OtterBox because I don't have young children or you don't have young children, I do. Um, so okay, so there there's a point of mutual concern. John, what are people going to do? Because let me give you my breakdown. My breakdown is that, and you disagree with me as you may. I think if Beto O'Rourke had not taken some unprompted, unnecessary stances, he could have become the next U.S. Senator. Now, people read into, because he lost by less than three points, if he hadn't taken the stand that he did on the flag and kneeling at the flag, then I think that he could have had a lot more people come his way. But that was easy pickings. Ted Cruz ran as ruthlessly in West Texas, in rural regions of West Texas, during Sunday night football, Monday night football, of a uh, a veteran who had lost his legs, stand for me, stand for me. Um, It took a lot of cues that made me wonder, is he running for president? Is he running for Senate? But regardless of that, he still lost by less than 3%. I would think that as a chairman of, and I'm just going to say you're a chairman of the 11th largest county in Texas. Right. Um, what do your folks feel like and what do you feel like is the way forward there, given the progress, unprecedented progress since the state went Republican? Well, first off, I think there's a difference between what Beto did and what some of our local candidates did. I mean, we got to be honest. Um, 
locally we didn't do probably as well as we would have wanted to given the fact that Beto made the showing that he made. Um, you talked about Beto's um, success or lack thereof, barely missing out. I don't think there's ever any one thing that causes a politician to lose an election. There's usually multiple factors. Um, I have complained some about this with respect to Beto. I think that had he done what what's called the hero's journey, you know, you do the whole 254-county tour and, and go to all these different counties, and then you come out of it a new person. You come out of it and you say, well... Um, I visited the cotton farmers in La Mesa, and, and I learned this about this, and so now here's my new policy point on this. Or I went to the timber farms in East Texas, you know, the sawmills or whatever. You, know, you come out of that, and you change your policies somewhat. You don't have to change a great deal, but you change somewhat. That would have been beneficial. I don't think the, the whole standing for the flag and that sort of thing, um, I think that that would have cost him votes on the Democratic side had he changed positions on something like that. But did he change? That's my question, though, John. Well, that's just it. He, he didn't change. No. He, he took an unprompted stance. Right. And it it excited a lot of people. I don't think you can fault him for that. I think there's there's a lot of people on our side that were really invigorated by his stance. But I'm saying that had he gone and taking a, taken a stance after doing his 254-county tour where he says, okay, now, for instance, I'm going to go ahead and vote for the Farm Bill, even though the rest of my Democratic colleagues aren't, I'll vote for the Farm Bill, for instance. That might have gotten him some more favor in West Texas. But that he, he didn't. Right, but okay. he didn't. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Um, you know, there's things like that. There's things like um, I know that millennials like to drop F-bombs right and left, and it's cool for a millennial to do that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, it doesn't cost you votes to clean up your language. <laughs> you don't lose anything. But... Do you see that more as a liability to him than the flag stance oh. unprompted? When you're only talking about losing by 3%, every little thing counts. <laughs> you know, you're talking about something with the flag that might have been a, a, a it's one of these things that's either going to make or break you. And I don't think you're going to get a whole bunch of Republicans to go and say, oh, you know what, I'm going to vote for Beto because now he's, um, or because he's taken a position with respect to the flag that I like. That's the hardcore, okay? You're talking about the centrist people i think for the centrist people you get some little old lady in arlington texas for instance who's about to be in a nursing home and she hears this guy drop an f-bomb she may like him she may go boy he looks like like uh you know bobby kennedy and i like that guy but then he says something that offends her well then she's not gonna vote for him or maybe post yeah exactly yeah post and and well and that's just it You've got west of I-35 where he struggled. I think there are some people within the Democratic Party who look at it and go, well, he didn't get enough Hispanics out. Well, okay, yeah, that may be one factor, too. There are all kinds of different things that could have put him over that 3% threshold. Mm -hmm. No, No one single factor did it for him, but there are a number of things that he could have tweaked. My view is, had he tweaked that 254-county tour and had he cleaned up his language a bit, it would have helped me to make the case for him with with my contacts, with the people that I, you know, the in circle. In what regard? Well, in the circles that I run, if you've got somebody who's out there dropping F-bombs, it gets really, really hard to go to church and say, hey, this is this is the guy you need to be supporting. Um, people are turned off by that. Even though they may like the message, even though they may like a lot of the things he's saying, it's hard to get over things like that. Yeah. So. Uh, John Gibson, who is the Lubbock County Democratic Party chair, um, 
You came in this role how, John? You've been here since 93, so a lot of millennials, you could say, I've been here longer than you've been alive. Yeah. Um, but you came in this role how? <laughs> um, I, I sometimes question that myself. Um, I have always been politically active in the sense that, uh, and, and the local people here know this, I was the youngest person ever elected to a countywide office in the Harris County GOP, Harris County Republican Party. Um, uh, that was back when I was in college. Um, my wife and I, we were married at the time. What did you get elected to? I was the I was on the candidate selection committee. Okay. And so, like, we've got this guy that we recruited to run for district judge there in Harris County that he went on to become attorney general, and, and you may know him, Greg Abbott. He's now in the governor's office. You know, that's one of our recruits, Ted Poe, um, who was hmm. recruited for run for judge, and then he was congressman. Um, Dan Crenshaw just took his place, I think. I'm, like I said, I'm terrible with names. Dan Crenshaw, I think is the guy's name. Yeah. The Patch Guy. Yeah. Yeah, Patch Guy. Anyway, um, did that. Um, had sort of a falling out in the sense that uh, it's, it's the same thing everywhere, I think, with the GOP. Too far to the right, um, uh, they get a little bit uh, um, you know, theocratical. or you, know, you, you get into these kinds of things where it's just pretty hateful and ugly, and, and I didn't like that. Anyway, came up here for law school. I married a mule shoe gal, and, and she insisted that we come here for law school and uh, bought a house. And so that tied me to Lubbock to where I wasn't going to leave. And my wife was happy with that. And then uh, in the meantime, I really wasn't really excited about the Republican Party here in town because it seemed to be the same way what I had encountered in Houston um, and was voting Democrat, uh, Democratic because that was where my values seemed to be going. And uh, then over the years, I've just been more and more to the point where I felt like I really needed to take more of an active role in the political process. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I uh, got involved with the Lubbock Democratic Party. And like I said, they sort of know my background. And so um, everybody knows that I'm something of a centrist when it comes to, uh, comes to democratic uh, values and principles and whatnot. And, and the uh, party faithful here elected me chairman. So... And that's how you got here. Yeah. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to take a quick break, and then I want to get in with you on what the way forward is. Uh, we just talked about Beto and his imprint and the sort of gains that were made. Uh, gains that, and maybe you disagree with me, gains throughout the state, especially in suburban and urban areas, but not felt here. So maybe in suburban and urban areas they feel like it's best to go further into democratic platform dogma but can lubbock do the same and still get some results all right we'll uh get him with john gibson on that is he takes a drink of water and we get <laughs> into the break you're listening to other side of texas about 90 seconds we'll be right back with you krfv love it weather. you were saying with a grin to the sound of hailstones hitting ten. it's loud enough you gotta yell now the whole thing hits me like a song have on air with us john gibson who is the lubbock county democratic party chairman people take offense to uh democrats being called democratic they want to say the lubbock county democrat party 
Talk to us about parlance there. I have no idea where that comes from. Um, people tell me that Rush Limbaugh is the one that started that. Um, I'm old enough. I remember the world before Rush Limbaugh and and uh, uh, back whenever I was in college, the professors would complain about that sort of thing. Um, I don't. I, I, we complain that it should be called Democratic or Democrat. Both. Okay. Because unlike what a lot of Republicans believe, when you go to college and you're in the political science department, they aren't all raving liberals. You've got conservatives in the political science departments too. And I would have conservative professors that would insist that you call it Democrat, and I'd have liberal professors call it Democratic. What do you insist on? Just whatever comes out of my mouth. <laughs> Democrat, I, Democratic. I, I get some of my um, uh, some of my people will, will correct me at times because I happen to make the mistake of saying uh, Democrat at times, but uh, Democratic, um, Democratic Party, I, I don't say Democrat Party. That, that sounds kind of silly. I, I would say Democratic Party. Um, I mean, but it's it's semantic quibbles. I don't I don't get caught up in those kinds of games. Yeah. Okay. So I tried to get you caught up in that game, but you <laughs> stiff armed me there, uh, John Gibson. But you are an attorney. Sure. Yep. Okay. What do you practice? Uh, workers comp. Okay. So, guys, mostly guys getting injured out in the oil field. Um, I've got an office in Odessa, and I spend a lot of time out in Odessa. But I love Lubbock, and this is where we've raised our family, and this is where I want to live. But yeah, the injuries, the work is out in out in the oil field. So, so, but also you run out of DFW as well. Um, from time to time, yeah, I've got an office in Fort Worth too. So, yeah, okay. And that to say, we don't have just some schlump sitting here. You know, <laughs> uh, it's not like it's not like uh, there's a guy who just ran for Democratic Party chair who doesn't really do anything i mean you're an accomplished you're accomplished within your profession i'm 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 blessed to have good clients that have given me some good cases and and had some good success with that yeah. so. so what's the way forward john are we going to see the democratic party because you know <clears throat> i say this all the time we rave on in the program and i always say i'm not an adherent i'm not a devout adherent i vote republican but I'm not a devout adherent to either party. And I think a lot of people who listen to this program, I'm 39, people who are younger than me, uh, who, if we go through and we look at the demographics and who's listening to the podcast, I think that it'll show that uh, not devout adherents either. And I think a lot of people are wondering, what does the Lubbock County Republican Party do now? We can critique Beto all day long, but at the end of the day, lost by less than three points does the lubbock county democratic party look at that as a cue to run further to the left or run more to the middle um you know i don't know with respect to the state party um i can tell you that here locally i think that one of the reasons why i got elected was because i am more of a moderate and um, i think that we were elected when I think June, I think. Okay, so this was before all the November hullabaloo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But anyway, yeah, um, uh, here locally, the the problem that we have is, um, you know, we've got 30% versus 70%. I mean, that's just the fact. And we can slowly over time erode that 30% or erode the 70% and gain numbers off the 30%. But what the Democratic Party here is primarily right now is a watchdog for the Republicans. And so, um, yeah, 
I want to see my Republican legislators do well because I live in this community, and and like you, I'm somebody who believes in the politics of place. And I want my Republican legislators to have success for the South Plains. Um, You know, Bob Duncan, I know Bob Duncan. He's a a good guy. I thought he did a really, really good job as state senator. You just pointed at his campaign campaign sign. Yeah, you've got his his sign here. Um, There were times when I disagreed with what um, Senator Duncan might have... have, um, you know, legislated. However, I appreciated the fact that he was a statesman. Um, we have local politicians that I don't believe are in the same class as Robert Duncan. And so therefore, it is the uh, it is incumbent upon the local Democratic Party to hold our politicians' feet to the fire and say, look, when you go to a League of Women Voters breakfast and you say that we don't really need to pay any attention to renewable energy, for instance, when, for crying out loud... Who said that? One of, one of, our, one of our three, put it that way. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, one of our three said we don't need to be paying any attention to renewable energy. Fossil fuels is, is where we're going to focus our attention. Okay, that's fine, but that's, that's just... That's stupid. I mean, Lubbock has more sunshine and more wind than probably anywhere else in the country. And why are we not going to go and pay attention to renewable energy in this area? The reason why that's important is talk to any millennial, and they're going to tell you, man, my future's at stake. You people aren't paying attention to global warming, and my future's at stake, and I want a party that pays attention to environmental issues. Well, Democratic Party's going to be paying attention to that. and But here locally, we're going to be holding our local politicians accountable when they don't engage in that politics of place, for instance, and pay attention to renewable energy here. Fossil fuels, you know, if, if you're down in Odessa, fossil fuels are important. Fossil fuels aren't important in Lubbock County. That's where the, where the pump jacks going in Lubbock County. You don't see any. Um, what you do see are windmills, and we need to be paying attention to renewable energy here in, in this county. Um, um, so anyway, like I was saying, I think that one primary function that we need to be engaged in is holding our legislators' feet to the fire and making sure that they are engaged in that politics of place. The other thing is, is I'm a Generation Xer. I'm assuming you are too. I'm somewhere in the middle. Yeah, somewhere I don't in there. Know. Um, you know, my generation is nothing more than a placeholder for the next generation. The the millennials are going to come along, and what we're seeing. You, you had the uh, the professor from Tech last week that was talking about Southern politics. Um, uh, he didn't talk about generational politics. And we are in the middle of a generational shift where a lot of new issues are coming up with millennials that need to be addressed. And um, one of the things that we need to be doing here locally is we need to be recruiting good candidates, candidates that are uh, have character, charisma, and competency. You might have seen Claire McCaskill had the interview on, I think it was Dateline, um, uh, a couple months ago where it was like the exit interview and, and a lot of the people in the Democratic Party were poo-pooing her responses because she's more of a conservative Democrat and she was complaining about the Democratic Party saying we pay attention too much to identity politics, which I would agree we do. Uh, we need to get away from identity in politics. In what, re- what regards? What, in what regards do we pay too much attention to identity yeah. politics? Yeah. 
Um, just speaking personally and not on behalf of the party, um, I was a supporter of Andrew White. Um, I thought it was silly for the uh, you know, for the powers that be down in Austin to look at the at the uh, ticket and go, "Wow, we got a bunch of white, uh, you know, a bunch of white men on the ticket. We need to go out and get somebody who isn't a white male." Well, um, you know, we saw what happened with Lupe Valdez, um, who just got a bum steer award yeah. from the Texas Monthly, right. one of the poorest run campaigns, but still within thirteen points. And I will concur with you there, Chairman. Wait. That- Wait, wait. Still within 13 points. She, she still came within 13 points. Of, 16 points? Well, no, no. I mean, she got trounced by 13 points. Okay. Well, compared to Wendy Davis, it's pretty good. I mean, and that's my standard there. That's the last serious, quote-unquote, serious candidate. And I appreciate you correcting me there. But but again, what we're talking about there is we're talking about but identity a politics. run campaign. We're and he even ran ads from this radio they never asked me for permission but they ran ads yeah. from my show right. about what a disaster she was right right no I, I saw the ads no but that's just it that was identity politics get away from the identity politics let's get character competency um and uh, charisma let's get candidates that have those characteristics and who cares if they're black white um christian muslim brown latino whatever whatever they is praying at the lubbock county or lubbock uh, city council. you know if they got character charisma and competence more power to them let's mm-hmm. get them um regardless of their gender um any of that kind of stuff we need candidates that have those qualities and so part of what I have to do is, is I have to identify those people in our community that have those qualities, that also have the same values that we have in the Democratic Party, and we need to, um, you know, we need to be encouraging those people to get involved and, and growing those people within the Democratic Party. So you just said, you personally speaking, is that not a feeling within the the mainstream of the Lubbock County Democratic Party? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that I'm giving my personal opinions, and I'm not speaking on behalf of the of the party proper. But you've had meetings since the election. Sure. Um, is that a fair sampling of what you're seeing? No, that's that's my personal tirade that I just went on. Yeah, that's not. But so then I would think you, as chairman, are saying, "Hey, guys." We've got to begin to appeal to the middle. We have an opportunity here, and maybe that is or is not being heard. Um, Lubbock is a very unique place. It's 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 a uh, Lubbock presents a number of challenges. We had one candidate in the last election who was a dyed-in-the-wool Bernie Sanders Democrat. Um, we had another candidate who was more of a John Tester, um, uh, much more conservative Democratic candidate. Um, uh, our our Bernie Sanders candidate lost 40% to 60%. Our John Tester-style candidate lost 25% to 75%. Um, um, but to be fair, yeah. that wasn't just... Your Bernie Sanders was in Lubbock. Right. Your Tester was in seven different counties. Right. Uh, one of which was Lubbock County. And that's just a sliver and, of... But the thing is, is when you talk to the uh, when you talk to the party faithful, yeah, and party faithful are always the people who are going to be a little, 
Hold on, hold on. Let me just uh, because what uh, what we're effectively talking about is Drew Landry right now. Right. Okay. Right. The, the tester candidate. Right. And everybody knows that that district is takes Tech Terrace and it takes six rural counties to devastate right. Tech Terraces. And anybody knows anything about Lubbock, you might be listening outside of Lubbock. Tech Terrace, a lot of tech administration, a lot of tech professors, much more nuanced area. And just to, it's like a peace symbol. It comes down 19th University to Indiana and takes out like a peace symbol out on the south loop and then takes in three counties to the west, three counties to the east. Right. Uh, but, okay, that for context, go ahead. It, to me, if I'm a Lubbock County Democrat, I'm not looking at 60% versus 77 because those districts are weighted in in a fashion that don't, lead to the assumptions that might be being made. Well, I think that some people in Lubbock might look at this and say, well, um, our Bernie Sanders-style candidate did so much better, that's where the party needs to go. I would argue that instead we need to be looking at Beto and look at how Beto did statewide, and we need to be saying that here within the rural metropolis of, of Lubbock, um, we need to be fashioning a candidate that can win locally more in the style of a of a Beto O'Rourke than perhaps a uh, um, a Bernie Sanders or, or Octavio. I, w- I always want to call her Octavio Dotel because I'm a huge Houston Astros fan, and Octavio Dotel yeah, played for the Astros. OCD, that's yeah, all wh- that. whatever. Um, AOC. 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 You're, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So anyway, um, but yeah, I. I, I would like to see us move in more of a of a um, moderate direction. I don't think there's any secret to that. But at the same time, I do see why there are people in within my party that are more of, of the far end of on the left. Um, you know, a lot of people have been getting left out in this economy. And yeah, but even then, it just like I'm literally rolling my fingers through my hair as I say this <laughs> yes, rubbing you are. my head saying there are classical democratic issues public education agriculture yeah. medical uh, access to health care right. classical that you could run on right. and run on strongly unabashedly and leave the cussing to the side leave the flag kneeling to the side and gain a larger audience. I 100% agree with that. Okay. Uh, anything else we need to get in with you? Oh, I mean, I could talk to you about politics for hours, but uh, but no, there's nothing. You'd have to miss a couple of your commercial breaks or something. We can. Uh, we can. So, uh, how often do you guys meet? And if people are interested in joining in with the Lubbock County Democratic process. How can they do so? Well, what they need to do is they need to go to our website, um, or you can find us on Facebook, uh, Lubbock Democratic Party on Facebook, and just uh, message us. That's the easiest way. We meet quarterly, um, plus a few more meetings throughout the year. Um, in fact, we've got a meeting next Tuesday at uh, 7 o'clock. If anybody wants to show up, it's over. Uh, the Democratic Party headquarters is over behind Target on the South Loop. Um, you see us there in the little office park that's there. So. Yeah, just across uh, to the south from the science spectrum. Right, right, yeah. right directly behind um, the science spectrum and uh, um, 50th, 50-yard 50 line. Yeah. 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 
Well, John Gibson, I appreciate you coming out and filled in some difficult questions. I wouldn't expect less from you, but I appreciate you doing that. Thanks for having me. I think that you're willing to talk about issues in ways that others aren't, and we appreciate your time. Going to get into a quick break here, about 90 seconds. Get back with you here on the other side of Texas. Close out the program, tell you what's going on the rest of the week. Cliff Kingsbury going to be head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. What (laughs) is happening? Uh, Get in with that and more as we roll along here on your other side. Great conversation there with John Gibson, Lubbock County Democratic Party. He is not a crazy, which is why he makes an appearance on the program. And uh, just hear the guy out. And if you're about place, above party, and you want to know what's going on, John Gibson's a good guy. Appreciate him coming in and, quite frankly, taking some fastballs. I appreciate him uh, being willing to do that. And if there are people within the Lubbock County Republican Party dwindling in membership, um, I'm glad for them to come on as well, help them, glad to help them with their membership. Uh, I know that I know that the Lubbock County Republican Party is like in full-fledged moderating force, and maybe their pride isn't so bad that they could come on the program and uh, have us talk about why people all of a sudden are talking about place and why they're talking about uh, fiber, fuel, and uh, food. And just glad to have you on because the old sticking points, old talking points aren't working any longer. The segment brought to you by Lubbock File Room, providing safe and secure document storage to Lubbock and the surrounding area since 1992. For a free and hassle-free estimate, give Lubbock File Room a call. LubbockFileRoom.com, 806-744-7666. Today, today, the Texas House names Dennis Bonin new speaker on uh, opening day. This from the Texas Tribune. Gray fog descended on Austin Tuesday morning, but the scene inside the Texas Capitol was one of colorful festivities to mark the first day of the 86th biennial legislative session. Uh, Give props where they're due. This is Cassandra Pollock, Edgar Walters, excuse me, Alex Samuels, Emma Plattuff there at the Texas Tribune. And perhaps the heartiest celebration took place in the Texas House, where lawmakers whooped and hollered after the unanimous election of State Representative Dennis Bonin as Speaker. Bonin's election marks a new era of leadership in the lower chamber. For the first time in a decade, the Angleton Republican, and that's important, Angleton, because now the big state, the big three, are from the Houston proximity. The lieutenant governor, the governor, and the speaker of the house. The Angleton Republican replaced former House Speaker Joe Strauss, who announced in October 2017 that he would not seek re-election. Strauss, a San Antonio Republican, 
was elected in 2009, held a record-tying five terms in the House's top seat. Five terms in tying with my boy, hear me pound my heart, Pete Laney. Whereas Strauss was known as a mild-mannered leader, Bonin has developed more of a combatant's reputation in the House. He seemed to lean into that perception in his remarks. I've never seen the use in sugar-coating things. I am a direct, I am direct, and I am a problem solver. Lawmakers praise his leadership ability in a series of speeches preceding the vote State Representative Sophronia Thompson, a Houston Democrat with 45 years of experience in the House, drew a standing ovation for her remarks in which she said Bonin, quote, has learned the ins and outs of the Texas House as well as anyone I've ever served. The new speaker pledged to keep the Texas legislature from getting, quote, caught up in things that don't lend to real results in quote hashtag bathroom bill he named public school funding as his top priority in addition to school safety combating human trafficking and reforming property tax collection he went so far as to replace the drinking cups in the house members lounge with ones reading quote school finance reform colon the time is now end quote you'll be reminded that every day bonin said bonin's election was hardly a surprise he was announced there he first announced he had the votes to become the next leader of the lower chamber in november working behind the scenes to assemble the transition team and to hire staff to assume the speaker's office in closing remarks after asking for unity amongst house members he gave a tearful tribute to his father, recalling some advice from the elder, Bonin, who passed away in 2017. Let's be sure when we adjourn, Sonny die. That's the last day of the legislature. We leave this house and this state better than we found it. There's a saying we have in Texas, as Texas goes, so goes the nation. Governor Greg Abbott praised him. And uh, then there were other scenes in the Texas Senate which were less important, shall I say. And not, of course they were important, but less newsworthy as what went on in the Texas House. I want to go on record and say I'm rooting for Dennis Bonin, by all accounts. Great man, great leader. And may he give his members in that, le- in that branch, on that floor... The ability to vote their districts and may they vote their districts ever boldly not for political favor not for um, gaining points on scorecards but doing better may they to tag on to Dennis Bonin leave their districts a better place than they found them may they do just that Hey, tomorrow on the program, we got Ross Ramsey. He's going to cover all the scenes and sights from today. Also, our friend Mike Bazaar. Did you know that they're putting Amazon Alexa in toilets now? Not in toilets, but toilets that are equipped with Alexa. Uh, this is why other nations hate us, and it's why we're so great. We're going to get into that with 
Mike Bazaar into the scenes and sights from today with uh, our friend Ross Ramsey. Going into Thursday and Friday, medicinal marijuana discussion with Brandon Darby, as well as on Friday, we're going to get into some rural populism. If you've not seen, just Google Tucker Carlson uh, monologue, and you're going to hear him talk, give a critique of the establishment Rockefeller and Republicans with whom against whom I revolt daily on this program and I thought a good monologue don't agree with all of it but agree with a great bit of it there from Tucker Carlson um, and you can find it there as you google it we're going to be playing some sound clips from it coming up on Friday but for now gotta get home gonna get home great family above average dinner going to watch us some Red Raiders tonight and excited to do just that. Number eight, taking on Oklahoma. Appreciate you listening to the program. Appreciate your thoughts at uh, J at West, uh, excuse me, as I say, J West Texas Leeson, J at other side of Texas.com. That's where you can send your thoughts and critiques, overt heresy, compliments, and suggestions on the program i read all of those respond to all those and i want to thank you for tuning in and telling your friends again that you hang out on the other side of texas until next time rayvon buddies rayvon we'll see you in next edition right here am 580 lubbock Two step up.